Welcome everyone to the OG podcast. Today I have Gabe Kerr, who is a fellow comic here in Austin. So how long have you been in Austin doing comedy? What brought you here? Uh, yeah, tell us your story. So I've been back, I actually lived in Austin solo like 15 years ago. Uh, fuck, 20 years ago. Um, right after my mom died, um, about a year after I moved out, um, just to kind of figure my life out. I, I was out of school and I wasn't planning on going to college. And so I just was, you know, working and doing shit. But I came out here and spent almost two years here um, and had a lot of fun um, and kind of had a reintroduction to stand-up comedy while I was here. I met a couple guys. I worked at uh, Austin's Pizza, actually. What years was this? So that was 04, 04 no, sorry, 07, 08. Oh, yeah, yeah, 07, 08, 09, somewhere in that range. Um, and so I was working at a pizza place and ended up meeting a guy who was a stand-up comic and who I don't remember. And I, I wish I had kept contact with him, but I, I did not. And he had me just like kind of MC a little bit, just not really host. I mean, kind of hosting, but I was really just introduced. I didn't have jokes or anything like that, but I was just kind of getting used to be on stage. So this is over 10 years ago. Yeah. Almost 20 years ago. Yeah. But my, my initial time that I was on stage was actually further back than that. When I was 15, I met two guys who were uh, stand-up comics, twin brothers on the Christian circuit. Um, when I, cause I went to a mega church and I was a uh, like sound engineer. Oh, cool. so I, uh, like one of those new Baptist, uh, mega churches. It, with like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. At, at word, yeah or like was it Christian? I don't know all the yeah, denominations. So yeah. It was a, I don't know. Fucking, I guess they were non-denominational. It was a church that was started in Australia. Um, so they weren't really affiliated with any like Baptist or church or any of the like American denominations. They were kind of their own thing. But it was huge. Uh, but it was fucking massive. Yeah. And there were hundreds of they've they've since like a lot of that has gone away, obviously, just with everything through the years, you know, econ economy wise. But um, but yeah, at the time they had, I mean, hundreds of thousands worldwide of, of attendees. It was it was crazy. So I did I was a sound engineer for them. So when those guys came into town one time, I ended up doing their sound and stuff and they needed somebody to do that for them on the road. And also carry all their luggage, um, which is what I ended up doing mostly. Uh, but I ended up two summers between school traveling with them across the country. And the way their act worked, they would one of them would do their set and then both of them would do a couple of like skits in the middle. And then the other one would do their sets and they would switch like the order they did. This it is in. like a Sunday worship session. No, no, no they, they were comics. Oh, comics. Okay. Yeah, I thought no, no, we they were, were at the... comics. No, no. So I, okay. I did that in church. Gotcha. These, these guys were comics that, that just oh, came okay. to do like a youth that makes more sense. conference or something like yeah. that. And, and that's most of what they did. They did like big events like that at megachurches because they were big comics gotcha, gotcha. as far as in that realm. You gotcha, know what I'm gotcha. Like outside of the Christian circuit, most people wouldn't have heard of them. Rick and Mick Vignell are their names. Shout out. Are they, they still out so there? They're so fucking old. They're not, I don't think they're doing comedy anymore. They're in their... 80s 70s 80s um so um 
So you're on the road with these guys. Yeah. So I did that two summers when I was 15 and 16. I did that. And in the beginning, I was just doing like sound, like I said, just being yeah. a bitch, the road, basically. <laughs> um, but then they discovered that I was funny. And so they started working me into the little skits that they would do in the middle. Like they started working me into that. And then they had had me like actually introduce and, and start. So I got the first taste of stand up when I was 15. Wow. I had no idea you were that long into the game. That's incredible. Well, yeah, with a 20 year gap okay. in the middle. So okay. like that happened when I was 15 and 16. And then another four or five years until I was living out here. And then I had that introduction, but that was towards the end of when I lived here. So it was only like two months or so at the end that I ran and met the guy here in Austin who was a comic and ended up doing some stuff. And then from 24, 25, 24 roughly to 36, I didn't get on stage at all. Okay. And then when I was 36, one of my buddies who we had been talking about doing like he had, he didn't have any experience before, but we were both just like funny and we'd always written stuff and done silly shit and, and, if you're funny, that's a thing that people say, oh, you should do stand-up. You should be a comedian. You're funny, right? But, like, if you're really inclined towards engineering and somebody's like, oh, you should be an engineer, there's a very clear pathway. Yeah. There's right. a lot of clear pathways, in fact, to f find your way into that position. Yeah. You should be a comedian. Good luck. Good what the luck. Fuck? Like, there's no, like, how are you going to find your way? So uh, that was the problem is that was something that I'd always heard. And then he found an open mic at the laughing skull in Atlanta, which is an amazing club. And we both, and it's, it's, it's one that like a lot of people try to get booked at because unlike Austin clubs, unfortunately open mics there actually have people. The in fact, the mic that I went to, and I don't know if this is standard because it's the only one I'd ever been to, but it was full. There were 75, 80 people. Whatever That's fits an in that incredible club, opportunity full for an open mic, right? It was amazing. That is amazing. Also, we're standing in the back. I'll get to this in a second. So, anyway, we it, it's one that you have to like email in ahead of time and like fingers crossed you get on. We both got accepted oh, yeah. at the same time. So we're like, I mean, it's destiny, right? We've got to do this. So oh, it was five minutes. It four, I think, um, or maybe it was five, and I did four. Maybe that's what it was. Um, but I still, ha I have the recording of my first ever stand-up set. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good. I still do that. Was it good? Did you get some laughs? It uh, yes, nice. Really and truly, I did. I did well. Nice. Um, you have a, such a great style, by the way. I love the story, your story style. But we'll, thank we, you. We'll that's, talk about that's that later. I, that, which is why I ended up getting into this because this is what I fucking do all day. I just tell stories to people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what I do. So it's just like do that with a fucking microphone, right? So we um, we both got on. You know, luck of the draw. It was amazing, and so we were like, "Fuck it, we're doing this." And and again, we had talked about it for years. I had been actually writing bits like actually sitting down and writing and, and kind of working them out in front of the mirror and then rewriting them for like three years before I ever went on stage. Right. Yeah. And him just about the same amount of time. And so we knew what we were going to do. Like we'd already worked it out. Um, but it was like, all right, now it's time to fucking go do it. Like actually go do this. And you guys are in Atlanta. Yes. So 
we go, we're sitting in the green room, we're super nervous, and like you, things become normal and you understand the process of things through time with anything. But just like with anything else, the first time you walk into something, it's it's nerve wracking. Yep. You don't you don't want to look like an idiot, right? Right. And so you're kind of just like, what is everybody else doing? I'll do that. Yep. The thing you don't realize in in that world is most of the people at that open mic were feeling the exact yes. same. Yes. Yes. Even the people who had been there a few times, they were they were in no different position than we were. Everyone's we nervous. That we, we were right. like, this is our first time. Nobody else is as much of a newbie as we are, but that is not the case at all. Which so yeah. just for anybody who has a desire to do this, if that level of nervousness is, is what's holding you back, fucking go for it because it's yes. not, like everybody feels that way, and that's part of the process. You got to break through that. Yes. So totally. we're sitting in the back in in the not the green room. There's like the green room, and then there was just like a backstage area with like. It was just basically like storage and open mic comics. It already like, feels good that you're like in like the back area. Oh my god, you know? we're in yeah, and feels it's like cool. dark and and there's a screen on where you can watch the comics. So it feels mm-hmm. like it was like oh this is real like it's we're legit. we're back here right, and then it's like I don't know 15 minutes before the show's about to start and we're all back there and 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 going through the nerves and also I'm an idiot. But I, I perform the best under pressure. So much so that I will create that <laughs> subconsciously. I had a set that I had worked on for two weeks. I was ready because we'd, we'd sent the email in like a month. Ahead. Like, you know, a, a significant time ahead of time that you're, you're getting on. And... That's like kind of nice and a little scary because then you both. have the whole time to you stress, to but you it. have the whole oh, time to yes, prepare. Yes, it's both. But but I was feeling good. I'd prepared like I and I'd run this set, and I was literally I was doing it like like start to finish. I would I would run it like I was memorizing a script or something yeah. like that, right? Um, and then we're sitting in the parking lot, and I had written a new bit that week, and I was like, I'm gonna do that instead. Oh wow. It's an audible. Yeah. And my wife was with me and she, she, she was way more stressed about it. She was like, <laughs> why, why would you do this? And I'm like, it's going to be fine. Trust me. So, so now I'm in the back and I'm scrambling to like get this it new in your set head. I just decided yeah. on the last minute to do, I'm, I'm going to work this out. Right? How long have you had, had you had that premise in your head? Uh, probably a couple weeks before I actually wrote it down, but okay. But it wasn't what you had prepared for. Not at all. Okay. No. And, and it wasn't even similar to what I had prepared for. It was, it was, it was a completely different like feel of the bit and everything. So we're sitting back there and we're just kind of running through shit and, and, you know, just kind of trying to get through our nerves and Chris Tucker walks in. What? And we're all like, what the fuck? And then the host is like scrambling and going back and talking to somebody who were like, not the owner of the club, but you know, manager or something. And then comes back and whispers. And then she comes back to us and she's like, okay, Chris Tucker is going to go on first and do a few minutes. And we're all like, Oh yeah. What? (laughs) So Chris Tucker is just going to go warm up the fucking crowd for us. Okay. So and also we just get to sit here backstage and watch him work. Now, it wasn't the best. Oh, his set? It was he did forty five minutes of open mic material. 
Oh, okay. It was 100% things that he had just thought of that morning and wanted to work out on stage. So some of it was hilarious, but most of it was like, all right. Rough edges. But here's the thing. That was so good for me. Because in that moment, I was like, on some level, we're the same. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, even somebody who's had that level of success and really done the thing that I'm just, like, hoping maybe I can do is going to have a moment like that. Yes. And a bunch of moments like that over a 45-minute set, right? So that was huge for my confidence. Just, like, realizing no matter what happens today, that doesn't determine... Because that is the right. way that I was going into it. Like, if I eat shit oh, and like I'm this not was the funny, test. <laughs> then, like, I'm not, like, I've been funny my whole life. Either it translates to stage or it doesn't, right? And so that was in my head. And then at the end of his set, I was like, that's not, that's not the way it works. It doesn't, you don't have to feel that way. It doesn't need to be that. So, so that was really, really good. But also, aside from the fact that some of most of his material wasn't material yet. It didn't matter. It was fucking Chris Tucker in yeah. Atlanta. So the crowd was hot. It. Hell yeah. Hot. And so we all go on and the first three or four comics were guys who were regulars that are there all the time. So like they're good and they're hitting. And so the crowd's really into it. And then there were some awful ones. Um, but I went on stage And it was like a fucking blur. Like I started talking and then it was over. (laughs) Like I I couldn't read like I've watched that video so many times and have a video of it. Oh yeah. 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 And I couldn't like, I, I, it's usually when you watch video of something, a moment you've experienced, you relive it, right? Right. You're like, Oh, this is what I was thinking. What I feel. I have none of that. It's literally a four-minute blank space. Like, I I don't remember any of that being on stage. I remember vividly everything before, and I remember vividly everything after. But those four minutes on stage, I got no memory of. I think I know some of what you're talking about. But the moment I walked off stage, I was like, this is fucking it. Yeah. This is it. Like, this is it forever. I bet everyone has that moment. Not everybody. You don't think so? No, no. I, I've I've talked to several people who, both directions. I've talked to people who who quit doing stand up comedy, and I've also talked to people who continued. Who their first experience was like, oh no, this I don't know what I'm doing. I, I there's a couple of people. Well, yes. That like have had a, that I've spoken to that have had a bad experience like that, and then didn't do comedy for like two years. And then decided one day to try again and then got the laughs and, and then went into it. So, um, so I guess if you, if you're continuing it, you probably had an experience like that, but, but not, yeah, no, some, some people it's a, it's a longer journey back. Uh, it's interesting how people have these breaks. I'm on a current break. I haven't performed, I don't know, since March. Mm-hmm. One of the hard things about performing, like you said, in Austin in front of no crowds is you really want to get that feedback. 
And uh, if you're not actually getting in front of real audiences, you know, it's like you're talking about with those comics. They're all in the same headspace. Yeah. What's that headspace? One, they're nervous. Uh -huh. Two, they're really focused on their set. Yes. <laughs> what are they going to talk about? Yeah. And so you're not getting somebody who's paid to be there, who's invested, who wants a release, who wants yeah. to laugh. And that was my first open mic also was in front of a real audience. It makes such a big difference. It's huge. I And, and you can't like... You can't guarantee that's going to happen. You know, like a, most people's first experience at an open mic is not like that. Right. And so I think if mine was like just performing to like a couple of comics and like they were all just like, mm, you know, or whatever, like I might not have had that. But yeah, if my first open mic had been a like midnight creek in the cave mic, right. I would not be doing stand up comedy right now. That's a rough that mic. Brutal. That's brutal. That shit is rough. Yeah. But also... You it's just, necessary. it's fun. It's, it's necessary it. it's and it's fun it. just it's because building the, the camaraderie with the other people who are also stuck doing the same bullshit. But yeah. it, it also teaches you like there, there has to be a, a certain level of like, you do have to be able to perform under any circumstance. Right. To a point, like eventually if you keep going and, and you're successful, you'll build an audience of people who are there to see you. Right. And that's a different thing. But it is. It is. But for anybody to get there, you've got to go through the, like, I've got to learn how to make any audience of people. Any laugh. audience. Yes. And how do you bring the energy, even if there's not that same energy if, in if the room? If you're the one bringing all of it. If yeah. you're the one bringing it and maintain it and like genuinely be able to project that. I think that's one of the things I struggle with in the most in mm -hmm. terms of performance Yeah, is bringing energy where it doesn't feel false, where I don't feel like I'm like overdoing it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And where I feel like I am enthusiastic. I'm excited to be here. I have some funny shit to say and we're, yeah, hell yeah, let's smoke that shit up. Uh, I got some funny shit to say and we're all just going to have fun, right? We're all just going to enjoy this time together. And when I, uh, yeah, it's hard to get into that headspace though. It's hard to get into that headspace when you're in an empty room and there's three comics there. And I don't even blame them because I've been that guy a thousand times. I was just at the Creek two nights ago. <laughs> yeah, and I, I went it's in for, natural. It's because uh, like you said, you're nervous. You're, you're worried about not fucking up your set. It's tough to feel those things and also like put all of that aside to be a good audience member. Like that's difficult. Well, I wasn't even performing. I was just watching, uh, I think it was Bianca's mic. Um, and there were some great comics that went up there. Uh, can't remember everyone, Charles. Anyway, a bunch of people went up there oh. and I'm sitting in the back and I've just kind of got my head like, my eyes are closed and my head's back against the wall. And I'm like, you asshole, you know what it's like to like, look at that. Like people yeah. want to see you engage. They want to see you like eye contact, smiles, laughs. Nobody it's wants tough. to like look at eyes closed, but I'm like, yeah, yeah it'll be fine. Yeah. They'll, they'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but that's also part of it. Like you, you do have to figure it out. That's, that's part of the game. Like, you so, gotta... so how do you do? You, so your style, you do stories, mm -hmm. but uh, what else do you do? Like in terms of like your comedy style? So, uh, I have by force in a lot of ways learned how to, uh, sorry, say that again. You could set it on that table oh, whenever. Okay. I mean, don't worry about ashing anywhere. Um, the, huh? I'll take one more if you don't mind. No, no, I, I wasn't going to put it out. Yeah. Okay. Elliot. Um, so, um, 
What's your question? Oh, stories. So I do mostly stories just because that's the way that I communicate. That's that which is the way you should do it, right? So if you're a right, if you're a punchline person, like if in conversation you're the one who's like people are talking, and then you think of the one funny thing, and then you hit the zinger, then that's your your style, right? Like right. you should be writing maybe not necessarily just one liners, but like that should be the feel of it, right? So. It's so funny that what we all want is a comic. Well, first of all, you want attention. Um, and that's that like, the, you just got to get that out of the way. Game. That's why you're on the stage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you want a connection. You want to make a connection with the audience and you want to be able to express yourself. What you really want is just a live audience. You want to get in front of people and say your shit. Yeah. And, but that's what everybody engagement. wants. It's so hard. You want yeah. engagement, yeah. right? You want them to... Now, do you like if people talk during your set or like have comments? Or do you like it to just be total my, attention? My comedy doesn't allow for a lot of that. Because like... Right, because you get so into the story. You're yeah, really I'm going. Dialed in. Yeah. yeah. Like you're, or into audiences too. Yeah, I've like, been there. Yeah. Yeah, either, either, yeah, either you're listening or you're not interested. But there's not yeah. a lot of like moments to interject. In right. I do. So... I don't deal with that as much as somebody who's doing punchline, punchline, punchline. Um, but it's going to happen. Like, I, I run into it. It's just not as often. Um, so it's it's something you have to be prepared for. But also, like, not everybody, not everybody's comedic style welcomes that. Like, some people's style does. Yeah, like right. Like, if you have a more combative style on stage... You're gonna get the fucking same response from the audience. Some yeah. drunk assholes gonna. You're like, oh, you want to fight? Yeah. You know? So like that's, yeah. it, it's built into to what you do. Whereas it's what I in. do is a lot of what I do is self-deprecating, and also storytelling. So it's like, if you're gonna yell some shit out, there's a there's very little chance that what I was going to say about myself isn't a funnier, but also. Right. A, a better angle right yeah, so right, right cuz you've thought about it <laughs> yeah yeah i thought about it a lot i've been right? thinking about this shit yeah yeah so um it's so funny though that there's each comic has then this energy i was talking about this uh i think a lot with derek uh mm-hmm. Dimple, mm-hmm. how cu- clubs have an energy comics have an energy audience has an energy and getting i i feel so dumb talking about this cuz i've done so little of it like i'm no expert but like here's my observations from my time in the field as they would say <laughs> and one of them is that you got to match that energy not like you shouldn't bring your own it should be yeah. your own unique energy yeah. but you can't come up and just be like some totally different guy you need to like bridge each yeah. different set and be like, okay, so like now you guys were living in that guy's head. Uh-huh. Now we're gonna live in my head for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And that- and 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 there can be there's levels to like there's there's varying degrees to which that works, but you kind of have to address it, right? So like there are comics who who work together often, who like one of them's like crazy high energy, whatever. And then somebody, you know, who's a little bit more like, yeah, you know, do this. And that's the funny thing. So, but for that to work, somebody has got to address it. Right. So like, I've seen that happen where the you know high energy guy comes and, and they do really well. And then the other guy comes in and he's like, yeah, 
this is going to be a different sort of energy. You know what I'm saying? Which is just like, which hits. Yes. Right? Everybody's yes. not expecting that. And right, that's right. But now you've got the audience. In your world. Exactly. But also you've let them know like. It's different. It's okay. It's still going to be fun. Like I'm still going to make you laugh. It's just going to be a different thing. So that's, you can do that successfully, but I think you, you kind of have to address it to make it work. You have to address it. Because a lot of what's funny in comedy, and I think a lot of my comedy is saying, well, now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm not so sure, but I'll just still say it. One, I think is, um, I like to say outrageous things Mm -hmm. and I get annoyed when people aren't saying what everyone is thinking. Okay. That's what I was going to say is a lot of comedy is just like saying out loud what is in in everyone's head, Uh which is why it connects, right? That's why it connects. And so even if you're bringing a totally different energy, it's still funny if you're, because I think it is that connection that people are after. Why is it funny? Why does everyone laugh? Because we were all thinking the same thing and it's satisfying and and gratifying to hear it said aloud. And also somebody's giving you permission to to laugh. laugh. Yeah. Because that's the thing. We're all sitting around, like you said, we're all sitting around thinking it, but it's like nobody's allowed to. And then somebody's like, nah, we're going to laugh at that. And everybody, it breaks the tension. It breaks the tension. (laughs) It breaks the tension. Yeah. We can laugh at that. Yeah. It's it's a release, which is why it works so well. And that's one of the things that self-deprecating humor works so well with is whatever. Like everyone's already thinking you know, like whatever the worst thing about you is, if you can call it out in a funny way, it yeah. breaks the tension. Yes. And, you know, like the, it shows ownership over these yes, things, which absolutely. we all appreciate. Yeah. And that's that's for, for, for two things. Some of it's for you, right? Legitimately, some of it is. Right. Some of it is to be like, fuck you. You guys aren't going to make me feel bad about this thing. Right. Exactly. That, and right. that helps me have confidence. This thing is true. It is a like it's. It exists. We're going to we're going to talk about it, but it's not something that is going to make it more difficult for me to to do the performance. But also some people think that's hacky, like the, you know, I look like whatever, but like you do. Yeah, exactly. And people are thinking that when you walked on stage, a percentage of people that was their first thought about you. So fucking. D- two things address it so that yes. everybody doesn't have to keep thinking about it. Yes, actually, right? Because if you're, you know, whatever thing that stands out and you're trying to pretend like that isn't obviously the first thing people saw, now we're not listening to you. I like Jimmy, uh, I talked to Jimmy Clifford about this exact same thing and one of his ideas was like you're one you're acknowledging what everyone is saying, just like we're talking about. So that is getting us all on the same page. Uh And that is, um, and what was the second thing? Uh, I don't know. We'll see if it comes back to me, but it is a total vibe in a comedy club. So yeah, Yeah. you have the vibe of the comedian, you have the club and you have the audience and And you're trying to to like have that same connection. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout the whole thing and make it smooth because it sucks when you have like, you know, you're listening to a song and then there's like a discord in the melody. Mm-hmm. And, and so anyway, that's a lot of it. Yeah. There, well, cause you can not, not that you should change who you are or the act or, or the jokes that you're telling for each audience. Cause that's not good. You should be doing what you're yeah, doing. you should do you exactly. 
But there is an element of I can tell the same joke to a crowd of black people or a crowd of white people. I can tell the same joke to a group of Republicans or a group of Democrats. Well, and the same can, message is coming and across. Just, and I can say it in a way that I know would be funnier to this group or that group. Yes. And you can make the same point. Exactly. It's almost like this, remixing yes, a song yes. where you're kind of like saying, okay, here's this original person's thing. Oh yeah. This is the thing I want to say from Jimmy. He was like, okay, well, even if somebody does something hacky or even if somebody does something, that's like a joke that they've heard many times, this is my take. Like, this is my view of it. And that is what is unique and interesting about it Yes, is you might have heard this d- joke from Dave Chappelle. doesn't matter. Everybody has their own unique view of it. Yes. And in that way, I I think that like comics can get a little defensive about like materials. It's all just ideas. Like there's such a thing as like stealing a joke for sure. Yes. But like, I think a lot of it is just ideas and execution. There's eight billion fucking human brains on this planet. Most thoughts are being thought by lots of different brains. Yeah. That's just the reality of it. And, and, for the same reasons, because that's the other thing yes. we don't we don't like to we like to pretend that an idea we had is that like it's a thing our brain generated our by its own self. It's influenced by the thing you saw, the thing somebody said, uh, something in the new. You know what I'm saying? Like it's being influenced by the circumstances and things around you that also exist for other people. Yes. And in that way, those same influences are in all of our heads. Yeah, and, and so we're all going to be generating people. similar ideas. Yes. Not, which is also by, by the way is why a joke works. Exactly. Right. Because it if connects. I was the yes. only one who thought that thing, it's not funny to anybody else. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, what the fuck are you talking about? Everybody has to have it. Or they're confused. Right. Of what I'm talking about. Otherwise it's not going to work. Yeah. It, it has to be somewhat universal. Yeah. So, so much of comedy is about connection yeah. and it's hard to make that connection. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's not, maybe that's what makes it professional. But like one of the things that I've struggled with, uh, just that we'll make this my comedy therapy session. Um, that's, that's what comedy is in and of itself. So. I've said that, but people seem to get offended whenever I say that. Oh, no, fuck no. That's exactly what it is. Doesn't it? It's totally, th- first of all, it is therapeutic to begin yes. with. Secondly, I think that, like I, I made a joke at somebody I think it was Conrad he was saying like he went to therapy and I was like that's like double dipping you can't do comedy and go to therapy like you yeah. can't just like get everyone to talk about your problems <laughs> you're just being selfish yeah you're just being selfish <laughs> yeah yeah and so yeah it's about connection and you want to connect to the audience so my therapy thought was like when you get onto a stage this is an idea I got from Steve Martin's book, uh, Born Standing Up. I don't know if mm-hmm. you... He talked about this idea, the gestalt. Do you, do you remember that word? Mm-hmm. No. So the gestalt, I, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, mm-hmm. but that's like the whole performance. That's everything. That's like how you're dressed. It's how you're... Uh, it's the lighting. It's the environment. Mm-hmm. It's your stage presence. It's how you're walking. It's your voice. It's your body language. Mm-hmm. Everything that is being perceived by the audience is the gestalt. And so it's, the, it's the symphony of all. It's the of symphony. Those That's a perfect word, way to describe it. It's the combination yeah. of and, all and those just things. Just like that example, if you've got a symphony 
and one of the horn players yeah, it was like, sounds like ass, then right. the whole thing sounds, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, and it takes you out of the symphony and it takes yes. you out of the unity. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like that discord becomes really yeah. loud. And, and so when you walk onto a stage, what are you thinking? I just, it depends. It depends on the, the, the setting, you know what I'm saying? But to, to Pack, point, packed house at Creek in the cave or, well, I'm no, curious about that too, but pack house at Creek in the cave. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, series what jumping in. <laughs> um, so I, expand on, hold, let, let's get back to that. I, I wanted to say something about your point. Um, as far as creating the whole thing, I, for the first year I performed, I performed in, uh, Adidas tracksuits. I did it cause I liked them and cause I grew up poor as fuck and was never able to afford them. And I finally could. So I had a couple of them and I just like wearing them. Also, I was, they look nice. I, yeah, they're they're cool, but I also was was fatter at the time, so it was like the only <laughs> thing I could comfortably wear on stage, and like you know, not just be thinking about the fact that I was fat on stage. Um, it is distracting. It is it, if you don't again, if you don't acknowledge it, it or address it, yes, right? Address it, yes, right. or exactly. make it part of the the, right. the jokes. So, um, but people didn't like that. Really. Audiences didn't connect with that. Oh, yeah. People don't like... Yeah, they want you to be wearing something particular. It's like, oh, you're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> well, they want you to be wearing what they think you should be wearing. Yeah, which is what? Like, what should a stand-up be I wearing? I dress nicer now. Do you? Really? Yeah. Okay, so did you find that it had yes. like a... Well, so what did you discover? I've got a bit of a... Learn? Even though I'm saying outlandish shit, I have got a bit of a kind of more serious put together feel to me. And mm -hmm. part of that is the, my literally my voice that it's a deep voice. And, but also the, the way that I speak, my dad was an English professor. So, you know what I'm saying? The way that I craft words and stuff like that, it just has a, that yeah, kind of sound. Right. right? So yeah, people don't like nice. that coming out of a fucking tracksuit, I guess. Oh, you know? and really? There will be a point. Don't get me wrong. There will be a point where they can get fucked and I will yeah. just wear whatever I want and you can just be okay with it. But it, it, it does, it does help. I've found to just not have to worry about it. Why make unnecessary conflicts? Like why make it. things harder than they yeah. have to be? I'm already trying to convince you. Of yes. Something. Like yes. That's the whole thing. So totally. Like, I don't need to add any other elements. Right. Yeah, right. So, don't and, make and things also, harder like, than they have to be. I don't it's dislike dressing well. Oh, totally. Yeah. So it's fine. It just. It'd be fun to wear a suit and like yeah. go to the nines or whatever. Yeah, dress the nines. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think there is go something the about. Sounds go like to the you're nines. going down to like a horse track. You know what I'm saying? Like a, yeah. a real like dingy part of town horse track where it's just like. That could be a pool horses. club. Yeah. The it's nines. They're ponies. You know what I'm saying? Nobody knows where they came from. Yeah. Yeah, but it's definitely some, a dingy place. Yeah, it's owned by some Russian dude, and you're like, he's probably mafia, but you know, you don't want to ask. And, but you uh, still need to borrow money, so you do anyway. Yeah, you do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, being getting getting dressed to go to the horse track. 
getting dressed oh yeah just the way you dress yeah you got to dress for the job that you want yeah. so what is the job uh i want to i guess i want to be an athlete maybe that's the job i want yep. uh i don't know yeah but well so part of it is you want to be comfortable and you want to be you but you also want to accommodate to the audience and yeah, I, you but, know but like that, it's hard to do that's both. part of it that that example part of what was coming through is the fact that like that's not like that's not what I normally. Oh, you weren't normally wearing track suits. Not until before, like I said, I I never owned them. I wanted to. I, I always thought it was a it was a cool thing. And and like the the I I grew up in poor neighborhoods, and that's a you know poor. poor was that in Georgia and, or? And, yeah, all I I was born in Chicago, and then oh, I grew Chicago. up in Atlanta as well. Oh, cool. Um, so I mean, you know, Adidas track suits is is part of a lot of, you know, cultures in, in that. The word Guido comes to mind, but I feel like it's a bad yeah. word. No, it's, I mean, you know, it's a word. Is it? What does it mean? Italian. Oh, is it? Yeah. Do they wear a lot of tracksuits yeah. and gold chains? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody Sneakers, might, yeah. Italians, hair, Russians, white Latvians, anybody who's got any kind of like is white, but has some mafia ties. Yeah. They're, they're wearing tracksuits. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, rappers. So there's a lot of that as well. Uh, so it was, I, again, it was something that I always saw and like wanted to have as part of my style, but my, I didn't have style when I was I, like, we were, we were like hand me down from several generations poor. So like the clothes that I had were like old shitty clothes that were like from Walmart 10 years ago, you know? So like the, I didn't, I didn't get to choose what I wore based on what I liked. It was just like, these are the clothes. So, um, so yeah, one yeah, it, so it that so that you wanted thing. to you wanted to present yourself yeah. in something that you were looking that you that enjoyed I wanted to look that you like, want yeah right but it wasn't necessarily a representation of who I am yeah. that and it was distracting to the audience yeah. and so I definitely agree with that like there don't was, make more problems than there has no, to be there was one set I did where I addressed it where I made a joke about it and that set went better than the other ones but I don't want to have to do that every time I don't want right. that to be a focal point you know right. what I'm saying like I don't want. You know, like but the so, but this ties into the gestalt. This ties into the whole performance. Yes. I mean, we got to get back to like what yeah. you think when you go on stage. But like in that construction of the whole performance, part of what you should be considering if you're being a professional and you're doing it right uh -huh. is what you're wearing. Yeah. Now, I don't think you have to go like crazy about it at like but an open mic or whatever. But if you're yeah. if if an open mic is practicing like you should practice in a harder situation than you're going to face in reality, which is kind of like why open mics are a little bit masturbatory because it's not even, you're not even practicing the real thing, right? Yes. Like the real yes. thing is performing jokes in front of human beings. Yeah. And a lot of them where there's contagion, you know, like, mm -hmm. like the, yeah. the laugh or roll or whatever, yes. like, yeah. um, Anyway, like it, open mics are a little bit not that. And so like, what are you even yeah, practicing at an open mic? This is my complaint, which is like, this is the chicken to the egg problem of, of any performance. Like if you want to do YouTube, if you want to do comedy, well, how are you going to get an audience? Why should anyone listen to you? It's a partially about credibility. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, what makes somebody worthy of holding the mic? Well, an open mic, you can hold it, but nobody's really listening, right? It's all just comics or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's a chicken and the egg problem, which is like, if you can get into enough uh, real people and real interactions to get the feedback and to learn, then maybe you could attract an audience, but you can't even get the opportunity because you don't have an audience. Yeah, but there's also, 
there's the reality that there might be a, a way to accelerate growth with a model that included like you go to open mics. There's always like for sure that that is an accelerated growth plan to being more comfortable on stage. And, and that does translate to your material being better and your, your performance being better, all that stuff. But also it misses people who aren't very good at comedy can still get laughs in a room full of people who are there to laugh. Yeah. hundred percent, which doesn't really. Do oh, I see what you're saying. Either. Right, right, right. Hmm. So you want somewhere in between. Yeah. Cause too much, too much fluff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, you don't it's want like, an easy audience. It's like parental love. You know what I'm saying? Like mom love is more like gentler and, and more fluffy. And like, I'm going to cuddle you. And, and dad love is more like, I'm teaching you things that are important for you to learn. And it right. may be a bit abrasive at times, but you have to know these things. Yeah. Those are both necessary. Right. Too much of one or the other is going to ha- create an imbalance. Right. right? So, totally. so it's the same with, with that process of, of, of growing as a comic too much easy is not good for you. Yes. Too much hard is also not good for you. Yes. If all you experience is the, what you're talking about where you're like, cool. Well, I was just, that funny. Yeah. Or I could have done not? this in like, front I of the mirror. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I got the same amount of response as me doing this literally by myself. So like, if that's all you're getting, that's not going to grow you. You do have to have some level of interaction with, with an audience you do because you have to be reminded that you're funny and yeah. and that like that's part of it you 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 do have to like there has to be because there's so much yeah. negative in all of this there has to be some positive right like it's there does and, have and to even be in, be, in yeah. between us like not even in a bad way but like we don't always say the nicest things to each other yeah and not in a malicious way but that's how we have fun like comics are fucking awful to each other like we say the worst things to other comics that we like it's because it's funny exactly yes (laughs) but but in the middle of all that if you're never getting a like no but you're positive you actually are funny if if you're hearing nothing but negative like you're not ever gonna grow like that's just gonna grind you that's not good yeah 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 you'll grind to the dirt or the dust or whatever but there's another aspect to open mics which is okay so there's a huge part of comedy which i never would have discussed or not discussed but discovered uh without trying it which is the community aspect like you were talking about in the beginning like there are paths to that you can take in life to different jobs. If you want to be a doctor, you can basically plot out the number of years that you have to be in med school or whatever. And with comedy, there's none of that. that. And it almost is better that there's none of that. Like you would almost prefer there not to be, but it does create this problem, which is how do you grow in that without um, a framework I think it's just other comedians. So that's what I was getting to with the open mics. I think like there is a big part of it that of comedy that has nothing to do with performing and has everything to do with the community of other comedians now, because, but do you think that that is important to maintain the whole time? Don't you think that might be important? 
So the community part, yes. But but what's building the community in the beginning isn't necessary to continue. So what, like, the, the reason you go to boot camp in the military is because you have to learn to be able to do difficult things under the most difficult circumstances and do so knowing that the person beside you is capable of the same and will excel. Yes. And the only way you can get to that level is if we all go through that really, really shitty experience together. Together, right. It's the only way. It is. And it's this it's a obviously a different thing but it's the same fire it's the it's the same yeah. trial like yeah. that that's what that's what builds and and ultimately for the future like the people you're doing open mics with now like comics that we see that are you know 10 15 years ahead of us all of the people that they're working with are the people that they did the shitty open mics with 100% in the beginning. right yeah and you build those, there's those generations or classes and you get through. But also once you do get through, those are the people you're going to work with. Yeah. That you've built this like deep camaraderie with. Right. And now you can create things together and, and I'll add my audience to your audience and, and, and it helps everybody grow. But yeah, I love that military metaphor. Fucking, you got to go through the shit first. Yeah. That's, you got to go through the shit. That's part of it. Part of it for camaraderie, but also just you have to practice things you. that, yeah, just training, That's how you literally get training. Yeah. So it is a kind of a good thing to perform in front of a really, really hard crowd because it's so much harder than an easy crowd. Yes. And you do want to practice yes. what is harder than your performance yeah. or whatever, you yeah. know, you're working towards. Yeah. That's, that's why you'll, you know, the best comics will say, I still go back to clubs. Like I, I can do theaters all day, every day and never have to go back to a club, but I still do because it's harder and it makes me better. Yeah. I can't even connect to that. That's so crazy. Right. Yeah. That's a whole nother world. Yeah. But like, it's hard but to... that's the, 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 but I mean, I get the idea. Yeah. Yeah. The people who are the best are the people who continue that. Like, who do you, who do you think is the best? Getting stronger. I, I don't know, man. I, I, or like, I guess one, who were your influences and two, who do you really enjoy listening to? So my influences were kind of all over the place uh, because I grew up in a, a super, super strict religious home and I was only allowed to listen to Christian music. I was only allowed to consume Christian media. God is good. God is great. Yeah. yeah. All day, every day. Like I could, like I didn't watch, you know, Spider-Man and Superman cartoons, but like I watched every episode of veggie tales. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, <laughs> I think I've seen every episode of veggie. Like, like I live the asparagus, in, right? Yes. I live in that world, but, um, that's funny. So, so for me, all of my comedic influences growing up were rebellion because like there's some Christian comics, but like they didn't like Mark Lowry is one. And he's, he's funny sometimes, but like they're not, that's not my style clearly. Um, so like 
that didn't connect to me. And those were things that like my dad loved that. Like he loved comedy, but he loved that. Did right? he? Like, that was that super, oh, cool? Yeah. That's, and, and like he liked, um, you know, he, he liked Robin Williams sometimes. Um, Cause obviously a lot of his material would get risque and he didn't like that stuff. But, uh, and then he liked um, fucking, uh, what's his name? Home Improvement. Um, oh, Tim Allen. Tim Allen. You know, those type of guys. The, yeah. the you know, the more family style, you know, and, and not that all of their materials. But there, you but, grew up listening to stand up. Yeah. So, so he liked that and I would hear that type of stuff fairly regularly. But then on my own search for stand up comedy and, and it, he would have been mortified at the time to find out that this is all that, how that happened. <laughs> but one of the things that c- cemented my, well, I, I guess, I guess it was always there. Your, your sense of humor is, is based on a lot of different things, but, but some of it's innate, but, but one of the things that really like pushed it as I, I found red Fox. Oh yeah. When I was, I don't know, like seven, eight, nine, like super young. It's because my dad was a big fan of Red Skelton. It's not the same at all. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, Red Skelton. Red Skelton is was a like uh, he did. It was a it was a stage show. It was a one man show. He did. He had characters that he would do and stuff, but it was kind of standard. Red but Fox was, was like blue something, red blue. No, huh? Nothing. Red Fox? Yeah. No, oh. Red Fox is a is a, a old comic. Um, from oh, maybe the, I don't know. I, I guess, I, guess was, I don't know. He was sixties, seventies, and eighties. I guess was was his like um, era, roughly that era. Yeah. So, so I went looking and just forgot the name. So Red Skelton was very much wholesome, right? Like he's the type of thing my dad would have wanted me to watch. And accidentally I found Red Fox, who was a very, very oh, dirty I see. comic. Gotcha, gotcha. Very Mix the raunchy, names. Yeah. right? So I started listening to that by accident. And that formed a lot of my like comedic taste. But also he, he was black. So I still is, I guess in the grave, but, um, but that was another thing that like, that was where just naturally, because I, I, I would connect to people who connected to that. So like Mm. I found him and then I found Richard Pryor and then I found Cat Williams and then I found Patrice O'Neill. So that was like, it was, and growing up, you know, in the South and my dad wasn't from the South. He wasn't really like, that type of old Southern racist, but it was still like rap music wasn't cool and, and stuff like that. So my influences again were, were very much the things that I like, it was the stuff I wasn't supposed to do. Hmm. So, I, so that developed my, my style of comedy to be. And, and I think this ties into what I was saying earlier, presenting myself as one thing. And then the things that come mm-hmm. out of my mouth are like, not the sort of thing that I should say. Right. So I like to establish in, in my comedy that like I was a pastor that I grew up in church and all that kind of stuff, like in the beginning. And then that makes it fun for me to say absolutely horrendous things 
after that. It's, you you it's could say them. You could say them. I don't know if you d- don't want to use them. Oh no! I mean, but. I fucking I, who knows? Like, I, I mean, all, all kinds of shit. Like I, I I talk about you know sex and drugs and all, yeah. all kinds of stuff. But I but I also use my experiences in in, in the church as build ups to those punchlines in ways that like like my my dad. I don't think my dad has seen any of my stand up. Really? No. And be, yeah, mine has either. Maybe. Oh, actually, no. I showed my parents. It was rough. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. No, my 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 relationship with my father was never a very healthy one. He wasn't like um, he wasn't supportive. He was not kind. He was very, very physically abusive. So, like, oh fuck, it. There isn't any of the like. I don't have a desire for him to like what I do. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. But also I recognize fully that he would not. Yeah. So like, I, I don't, I just don't even like, he knows what I do, but I don't like I don't send him clips or. Well, like so much of it is it doesn't matter what any, like, I don't know if we talked about this, but it seems parallel to a lot of our discussion is so much of it is just whatever your is in your head and whatever yeah. you're interested in. Yeah. And so it's interesting how people have to develop their comedic voice. And in the beginning, in the early days, you're so often taking on the voice of other people. Yeah. Like I got a lot of Seinfeld. I don't know. Like I've got people in me for sure. I've got a lot yeah, of Rogan yeah, in me. The, the people that you thought were funny. Yeah. Come out. Or you and, just listen to and yeah, you like get conditioned all of by my early jokes. Like they all had the N word and the punch. No, that's not, that's not true. Uh, no, but, but legitimately I did because I grew up in, 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 mostly black neighborhoods and, and a lot of my influences were that I did have a little bit of like white guy trying to sound black in some of my stuff in the beginning that I definitely had to work out. Cause, but it was just, yeah, cause that, right. was, that was the way I knew how to present a joke was the way that I had seen it done. So you have to like try to find your voice and what is like natural for you in terms of not only your topics, but your style and your presentation. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah, like it all comes back to like, what is everything that you're bringing on stage and what makes these crazy people even want to do it? You know, it's a lot of work. It's difficult. You can get just as much attention in other ways. Like why do stand up comedy? It's a little bit like the military. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 yeah, especially in that it has to be something that you just like. If you're really gonna do this, it has to be like, like you were saying, most people have that moment where like they walk off stage and they're like, this is it. I, I wouldn't say that most people have that. If you don't have that, I don't see a successful route to you doing this long term. I think it has to depend on whether or not you had a real audience. Yeah, well, yeah, that moment won't like we talked about. We talked about it doesn't about. have to happen the first time you go on stage. I'm just saying, if there's never a moment where you walk off stage right. and you feel like that was insane, this is what I want to do yeah. with the rest of my life. If you don't have that moment, then you're probably not a comic. So, what is that feeling comprised of for you? Um, like, what makes you feel that way that you would want to continue doing it? All of it, like the whole experience, like that. Yeah. The energy from the from the audience, just the experience, like being on stage. So they're like, I am afraid of heights, but I enjoy testing that. Yeah. 
I've never made that. I've never been able to make that feeling go away. No matter how much I've done, like I used to work in like skyscrapers and shit like that, and like the, like I just had to deal with it. But I like the way that it feels. I like that it makes me feel uncomfortable. A it's, lot of that's, energy. That's a drug. Like mm-hmm. that feeling, that anxiety, that like oh, and I feel that before I walk on stage, and I like that. And that's the thing that turns most people off who don't end up wanting to do something like this. Is that's terrifying? Why would you do that? And I'm like, yeah, that's that's why you do it because it's terrifying, and that that's there's a lot of energy in that terror. Like it'll wake you up for sure. Yes, but also one of the things that I think is so unique about a live audience that's right in front of you is the live feedback. Every millisecond, yes. how many times a second are Constantly. they telling you everything? Yeah. And they're all telling you, like, maybe there's like a general message, maybe this part and that it's part and that part are saying something. And, yeah. and you can focus on all that and try to say what you're trying to say. And it's pretty overwhelming to have this ocean of feedback, mm-hmm. you know, and then like try to like make sense of that enough to like tie it into what you're saying so it's all smooth, like we were talking about. And, but all that process is so energizing and exhilarating, um, that I think that is what people I take away from it that enjoy it. And, and, and so that's why I think there would be a place for like that. I don't know. It's a live performance in front of a live audience. That's the unique thing to stand up. So I've been doing like a lot of like satire stuff on YouTube, where I just like rant in front of the camera mm-hmm. and it exercises the same muscle and it gets like some of the same satisfying feeling of like, okay, I got it out there, mm-hmm. uh, that standup does, but there is no feedback, mm-hmm. like even comments, you know, whatever likes yeah, views, I mean, that's not real feedback. Yeah. For, I mean, for all of my life, I've made people laugh in any setting, right? Like in a you know party we're you know, having, we're in church and you're not supposed to like, that was always a thing that I enjoyed, but that's not anywhere near the same. No, not at all. As being on stage. Yes. Everything's on you. Cause that's the other thing. Nobody else has a microphone. It's just, yes. You. Yes. And nobody else is under the lights. It's just you, which means a hundred percent of how this goes. Not a hundred percent because the audience's energy is built, but most of it, and, yeah, the vast majority. And, and as far as the you know, who gets the glory, success or failure, right, 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 that's on your shoulders, right? So like, but that's also part of it that I like. I like the feeling of like, you're all gonna hear what I have to say. Yeah, well, they want to hear it. That's you why they not there. like it. Yeah, <laughs> but you're gonna hear it, yeah. and that's that's fun for me too. Like that's there is there is part of there's part of stand up that is the connection, and it's like I want you to laugh with with me because it's confirmation, right? I thought this was funny, and just as a human staple, yeah. we want to not be the only one who feels this way. So I yeah. say it. Yeah. Oh, that was funny to me, and then you laugh. Ah, good. Okay, we, we both agree. Yeah, it was funny. funny. But there's also part of stand-up where it's like, I want you to laugh at something you didn't think was funny. Oh, that's the best. I mean, that's like probably the highest level. Yes. That's yeah. that's the pinnacle is yeah. making you laugh about something you didn't want to laugh about. That's, totally. Yes. That's, that's yes. delicious. Like that's... that's. It is delicious. <clears throat> I love the food met- metaphor as well with stand-up. Uh-huh. 
that like you're serving in, in generally like even this podcast or comedy, anytime you're presenting something, you're like offering something that's kind of like a meal yeah. and you come up and you're like, here's the appetizers. Yeah. Okay. Now we're getting into the main course and there's dessert. Thank you. Good night. Whatever. Yeah. And there's this whole flow to it. Um, but yeah, and just like, cause it, going the, with that metaphor, if, if you cook for somebody and when you start cooking, they're like, oh, I don't like that dish that you're going to cook. And you're like, oh, great. Okay, there you go. That's that's the better approach. Wait until you see how I do it. Oh. If that person, like everybody else at the table who loves that thing that you make, telling you how much they love it, doesn't mean nothing. But it doesn't even come close to comparing to that person who walked in like, I'll never like that. And then they're like, absolutely. Ah, fuck. I like it. Absolutely. That, that's absolutely. It. That's, that is the biggest win. There's no feeling that is greater than that. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. You want to make people laugh at something that they didn't want to laugh at. Yes. And then yeah. you got that's them. my favorite. Yeah. Which is why I like to frame jokes. Anytime I'm doing anything political, I like to frame the joke as one political lean when I know that the punchline is going to go very much in the opposite direction. Right. And misdirection is fun in general, but I like, I like giving people the feeling that comes with like comfortability of like, Oh, this person thinks the way that I think. And then, and then once they're comfortable, then you hit them with the, the thing that you're actually saying, which is even funnier because like, Either way it goes. If I make you laugh at the thing that you didn't want to laugh at, that's fun. But also, if I upset you because you were agreeing with me and now I'm saying something that you definitely don't agree with, that that's internal conflict good. that I just made you have, oh, that's just as delicious. <laughs> I'll take right, that all yeah, day. Yeah. All day. It is. Even if you refuse to laugh, I'm like, I don't fucking care. No. I made you feel that way. And that's it's hilarious. It's still satisfying. That is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That is hilarious. Yeah. So what are your comedy goals? Like, what do you, where do you, what do you want to do with it? Where do you want to um, take it? I mean, first comedy billionaire. Hell you know yeah. Saying? That would be. Fuck yeah. Cool. Uh, I don't know, man. I, He's going to have to fight Kevin Hart for that title. He's got a lot of brands. <laughs> he does. I love what I do. Um, I just want to keep doing it. I want to keep doing it bigger and better and in new places and have new experiences. But like, I just, I just want to keep doing this. That's and I've got cool. a lot of other things. Like I've, I have some scripts I've written and, um, you know, there's other things that I want to work on, but creatively yeah but this is i this i want to do this for forever like really and truly like the, i i will do stand-up comedy for the rest of my life in some facet that's fucking cool man yeah. well i love your stories and i love your your style and sure. we should uh hopefully we can get out there again and uh yeah. get back to performing and yeah. i had a little bit that i was testing out that i'll throw out there now and I just, you know, I'm, I'm shopping around the idea if it's too bad to just say like, uh, okay, it's for all your comedy dreams to come true. What if you had to spend one night with, uh, Henrita Weinstein? 
And then she's instantly going to like, you're going to be Kevin Hart. You're going to like be whatever, like on the road, you can book gigs, you get audiences, anything you can make a living doing it mm-hmm. a great, you know, making millions or whatever. All of that one night with Henrita tonight. Like- yeah. Tonight. Right. It's like, where is she? <laughs> yeah. 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 Sign anyway. So that was like yeah. a premise that I'm working yeah. on. Uh, if you think there's something there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah, we're, we're where you're going with that is the you know. Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> that's yeah. like where yes. it's gonna <laughs> that's, that's yeah, that's a good tie in. But yeah, I mean that's the that's the difference between men and women. We're Yeah, that is the difference between men and women. But I'm also, not I'm not invalidating their pain. I'm just saying, is there a sign up? <laughs> uh, right, exactly. Where yeah, where do I sign? Yeah, but yeah. but the other the the on a comedic value that's that's funny. Uh, but obviously the, the reality of the situation is like, well, Henry horrible, does, horrible. Henry is not going to rape me. You yeah. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Like I'm going to be all right. Yeah. That's, that's why it's hard Angelina to Jolie may not have felt that way. You know what I'm saying? So like, but also, she, but also there was a couple starlets the deal, that, you yeah, know? like, so, right. There was a couple of them that probably uh, didn't think it was like too, not nothing too hard of a trade or whatever. But I actually don't know anything about it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'll probably get canceled for it. And, uh, it, you know, we could talk about this stuff for ages, but we should do it another time uh, for now. Yeah, Where can yeah. people find you? Like what? Uh, I mean, you can find me on social media. I'm, you know, I'm constantly posting clips and stuff like that at Gabe K Comedy on whatever platform you're on. Um, I am... All over Austin, uh, I, I do some stuff in San Antonio from time to time. There's a club there called Laugh Out Loud that I go to. Um, but yeah, Creek in the Cave, Vulcan. And what was your Instagram? Random, Gabe K. Gabe K. Comedy. Gabe K. Comedy. Yep. All right, dude. Let's do it again sometime. Sure, it was Thank really you. fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. Okay. Thank you, guys. See ya. Deuces.